Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I'd like to start off my... What I, what I want to share with you today by reading you a scripture it comes out of the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 12 and it says this there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved there is no other name Jesus is that name he he said of himself I am the way I am the truth I am the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And through Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to come into a vital, deep, intimate relationship with God, with many blessings associated with that. We we find forgiveness and mercy. We find provision and grace. We find eternal life in Jesus Christ. And we have his Holy Spirit that comes to live within us through faith. And that we get to walk out life with a supernatural edge because God Almighty is with us, working in us and working through us. Tonight, what I want to do is I want to tell you three stories. Uh, And I, I pray, my prayer is that you will identify with each of these three stories. So the aim is not to come away from this and say, oh, that was my favorite, though you may prefer one more than the other. But each has a moral, each has a point that I'd like for us to catch and inculcate in our journey with God and in our journey with this wonderful person of Jesus and the message of his glorious gospel. Um, My kids really enjoy story time. It's one of the things I really enjoy as well as a dad is sitting and doing stories with my children. I enjoy the accents and uh, uh, all the the different things that go with that. And so I want to tell you three stories tonight. So... There will be a few scriptures as we go, but for the most part, I want you to sit back and relax, have a listen, allow your imagination to go with me, and and let me start. The first, all three of these stories involve people on boats, Uh, and uh, just for the sake of clarity, uh, the only accents I really can do properly, well, even semi-properly are British, so we're all up in the UK tonight. So the first story tonight is Jane's Cruise. There was a lady named Jane who came across a brochure of a luxury cruise ship. She spoke to some of her friends about it, and one of them had actually many years before been on that exact cruise ship. She shared, her friends shared with her all the wonderful news about what life was like on the cruise. The wonderful food and the entertainment, the marvelous places they visited the gentle rocking of the ship as you lay in your bunk at night, the crisp, clean smell of the air and the sounds of seagulls and splashing waves. Every now and then, she said, even there were even boisterous whales, that, uh, boisterous dolphins that would come and play just off the bow. It was a beautiful and a wonderful experience. And this, to Jane, just sounded magical. It sounded like the best thing she had ever heard in her life, something she certainly wanted to experience for herself. You see, Jane came from a working class family. She never had very much as she was growing up. 
In fact, now, even though she was middle-aged, she was the cleaner in a home of a very wealthy aristocrat. And while she was often exposed to the luxuries and the comforts of his home, she knew full well that they weren't for her to partake of. One day, as the man she was working for, his name is Mr. Smith, came into his living room, he found Jane just staring out the window, utterly lost in a daydream. It took three calls of her name to wrench her back to reality. And Jane, you know, apologized profusely. She was very embarrassed to be caught in the middle of her workday daydreaming. But Mr. Smith wasn't in the least upset. Rather, he was curious as to what on earth had so captivated his cleaner. Jane went on to tell him about the conversation she'd had with her friend and the brochure she'd, that she'd came, come upon uh, about this cruise. And she said that every time she thought about it, she would drift off into a daydream about what it must be like to be on one of those cruise ships. Sounds magical, replied Mr. Smith. And without her knowledge, that week went out and bought Jane a ticket to go on the next cruise as it departed. He clearly loved Jane and cared for her very much. Jane was absolutely overjoyed. It was more than she could ever imagine. And when the time came for her to go on the cruise, she packed two suitcases, one with all her clothes and all her belongings, and another smaller satchel with some cucumber sandwiches, some cheese, crackers, and the, and, and the best bottle of wine that she could afford. And off Jane went. And truly, this cruise was the stuff of dreams. Every day, she went for long walks on the deck, breathing deeply the crisp, salty sea air. The beautiful sights and the wonderful places took her breath away as she meandered through towns that they stopped in. Eventually, as the cruise came to an end and the ship docked back in Portsmouth, the captain of the ship took up his position at the VIP gangway to greet all the dignitaries as they were disembarking the ship, all the dignitaries and all the guests. And as Jane made her way towards it, the captain noticed her and said, Good afternoon, madam. Did you enjoy the cruise? Oh, yes, sir, replied Jane. Thank you ever so much. I shall never forget it. Oh, I'm delighted, ma'am, said the captain. But if you don't mind, why is it that I never saw you in any of the dining halls as I was making my rounds? Oh, I'm afraid I don't have money for those kinds of luxuries, sir, said Jane. My place on this cruise was a very generous gift. And it would have been unconscionable to have asked for any more. The captain got a puzzled look on his face. One might even say there was a glint of suspicion in his eye. Could I see your ticket, ma'am? He replied. Jane felt a wave of fear rushing over her. She knew she didn't really belong in these kinds of places, and she was about to be found out. As she rummaged through her bag, she could hear the captain clearing his throat. <clears> throat. Her mind boggled as to why on earth he needed to see her ticket now as they were disembarking the ship. Here you go, sir, said Jane, politely, as she presented the captain with the ticket. Hmm, muttered the captain as he glanced at the ticket with a perplexed look on his face. Madam, he said, this is a premium ticket. This means that all your meals and beverages, activities, and even gratuities were included. 
Oh, well, never mind, said Jane. It was all more than I deserved anyway. Now, this first story tells of a mindset, of a lack of realization that Jane had of everything that was included in this wonderful ticket that she had been given onto this amazing cruise ship. And many believers are like this today. We have little appreciation of how loved of God we truly are and have a very shallow understanding of this glorious salvation that he has given us. The Greeks have a wonderful word for salvation. It's the word sozo. And this word is more than just to save, although that's included in it. But it all, it's, it's not just about being forgiven and someday going to heaven. It refers to being brought into a state of wholeness, of healing, of wellness, wholeness of spirit, soul and body. And this is why the gospel is such good news. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom that through which we can have salvation, sozo. Now, Jane had a wonderful experience that she could share with her friends. She had experienced the cruise. She had gone on the ship. But how much would she have more would she have had to share with her friends if she understood and properly partook of what she had been paid for? Think of that. How much would you and I, how much more would you and I have to share with the world around us if we fully partook of the fullness of the salvation that Jesus has come to give us? What an incredible thought. Praise God for what we have received. Praise God that we have a joy in us, that we have salvation, that we have the Holy Spirit. And thank God that we can share these with others. But how much more is there for us to partake of and to truly enjoy and in so doing to then share with others? You see, Jane's ability to tell others the full story of the wonders of the cruise was impeded by her limited experience of it. Likewise, our ability to share the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom is impeded by our limited experience thereof. I want to say to you today, the moral of the first story, don't just settle for reading the brochure or getting on board and looking and seeing people enjoying things, but somehow thinking, oh, that's not for me. Somehow believing, no, that's for them. I don't deserve those kinds of things. Or that's just for those kinds of people. No. Healing, deliverance, forgiveness, restoration, spiritual transformation are all on offer and have all been paid for in full by Jesus Christ. Let me read to you the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. He says this. That his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and experience. By which he has granted to us precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of this divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through sinful desires. This idea of partaking of the fullness is what I really want to awaken in your hearts today, is what I really want to encourage you and stir up, that there is so much to partake of. Even in the first verse that we read, verse 3, it says, through the knowledge of him, 
This word, the, the word there for knowledge, again, is a Greek word. It's the word epignosis. It's not head knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. And there, is ex there are experiences that Jesus has paid for in full for you and I to enjoy, to add to our lives, to make us be, walk in a level of victory and overcoming grace that makes us effective in this world for his glory. It gives us so much more to share with the world around us. And so the moral of this first story is that the more you have, the more you have to share. The more you have of God, the more you have to share. Philippians 3 verses 12 to 14 says this from the Message Bible. I'm not saying I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself to be an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning onward to Jesus. I'm off. I'm running. I'm not turning back. And I want to say to you, don't settle for where you are in your, in your faith journey and in your current level of experience of salvation. Press into God. You will find that what he does in your life will begin to flow into the lives of those around you very naturally because it's an experiential thing. Go to the buffet of the table of the Lord and eat liberally and enjoy his joy, his grace, his loving kindness, his mercy. Drink it all up. Enjoy it all. Partake of it all because it's, it's a wonderful experience, not just for you, but it, it makes us into people that become the embodiment. You know what they say, you are what you eat. It's the same when it comes to scripture and to, and to spiritual truths. What we feed on will determine who we become and who we become will determine the impact that we have on those around us. So the moral of the first story, go and enjoy, press into all that God has for you. Time now for our second story. This story is called Harold's Cruise. Harold opened his eyes. The disappointment of his tiny shared cabin couldn't quell his excitement. He was with his friends, the same ones that had signed up for the cruise with him. He couldn't believe his luck. It was almost too good to be true. The cruise company must have been really desperate for guests as he and his friends didn't even have to pay a cent and all their meals were included in the package. Oh, the places they would see, the experiences they would share. Harold was determined to suck the marrow out of every bit of this wonderful adventure. The lads roused themselves from their bunks. They put on their costumes, their t-shirts and flip-flops and readied themselves for a walk around the deck before breakfast. In single file, they marched through the narrow corridors, giggling with excitement like a bunch of schoolgirls at a tea party. They made their way, or as they made their way up the last flight of stairs and onto the deck, they began to feel the warmth of the sunlight on their faces and the crispness of the morning sea air. It made them breathe in a deep breath. All that freshness. And then heave out a sigh oh, of deep satisfaction. This was the life. 
And as Harold stood there with his eyes closed and his arms outstretched, he was suddenly jolted from this moment of bliss by a loud and angry voice of someone saying, Oi! What do you think this is? The Copacabana? Harold opened his eyes and he couldn't believe what he saw. No deck chairs, no lounges, no holiday makers in bright, vibrant clothing, no waiters, no shuffleboard, no big buffet breakfast. The tranquility of the moment was shattered to be replaced by the realization that Harold was in fact not on some holiday cruise. Harold was on a Navy vessel, the HMS Church of Christ, the greatest and most formidable vessel ever created. As he looked around at the men dressed in white, mopping, cleaning, bustling about, someone handed him a brush and said, you better get changed and start scrubbing, mate. The captain sees you dressed like that, he'll throw you overboard for sure. While the first story tells us all about the blessings that our salvation bestows upon us, the second story is about the things that our salvation requires of us. Too many believers today have bought into a gospel message that revolves solely around themselves, solely around their own comfort, their own pleasure, their own needs and desires. And while it's true that God has blessed us more abundantly than we know or can imagine, we often lose sight of the purpose for the blessing. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to his disciples, those who were following him, those who had received his salvation, go into all the world and preach to every creature. Dearly beloved, these are our captain's orders. <laughs> As we report for duty on the ship, these are our captain's orders. And Paul writes to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, and says to him, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. That word entangles is a really interesting word. It makes me think of spaghetti. Spaghetti is always entangled within itself. And you can't, it's very difficult to pull out just one string without others coming with it. And so often we've, we, we're so entangled with the things of this world that when we set out to do something for God or we set out to set new priorities in our lives, it's like other things come with. And it, to separate the strands, to separate the good from the bad, to separate the important from, from just the frivolous becomes a challenge. And this is because our minds, our lives, the busyness of this life, tends to get us entangled in things, some of which we don't even really want to be entangled in. But in essence, the moral of the second story is that as, sisters, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we are engaged in a warfare. Not for territory, not for prestige, not, not for ground, but we're in a warfare for the souls of men. This is why Jesus came. This is why he has commissioned us. And even though we are in enemy territory, we must remember that we have been given all we need for victory. Romans 1 verse 16 says this. This is Paul's writing and he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 
The simple message of the gospel contains within it the very power of God unto salvation. Remember, we just already looked at that word salvation, sozo, wholeness, completeness, deliverance, grace in Christ Jesus. The message of the gospel contains everything we need for that complete salvation. The message that God loves you. The message of serving and laying our lives down for one another. The message that Jesus died contains within it the power of God to make that kingdom reality effective in people's lives. And we should never undermine it. We should never forget that. It's not us who can save people. It's not our eloquence. It's not the gimmicks. It's not our efforts. The power is in the message. And there's something mysterious and wonderful about that message. That it is able to cut through to the hearts and minds of men. And so we have this wonderful message. And I want to say to you, this message is our weapon of warfare. One of our weapons of warfare. You know, if you're on a ship, you have big guns. If you're a Navy SEAL, you'll be given small arms. You'll be trained in how to use them. You, you, you need to be able to go to combat to overcome and defeat the enemy. Well, our weapon is this wonderful gospel. You know, David Guzik says this, the glorious truth remains. There is victory in Jesus. Jesus didn't come just to give us more or better rules. But to live out his victory through those who believe. The message of the gospel is that there is victory over sin, hate, death, and all evil as we surrender our lives to Jesus and let him live out victory through us. Isn't that beautiful? I want to read that last sentence again. The message of the gospel is that there is victory over sin, over hate, over death, and all evil as we surrender our lives to Jesus and let him live out his victory through us. There comes a time, if I think of the, the nation of Israel and God brought them out of Egypt, he provided for them. He gave them manna. He gave them water from a rock. His presence was there by day and by night as a cloud and as a pillar of fire. But there came a time when they came into the promised land. And they had to take off their dependence. They had to take off this thinking that it's all about us and God is just going to automatically do everything for us as if they were on a cruise ship, if you like. I know they were complaining about the food, but you, you get the picture, this dependence on other people or even God just to meet all their needs without lifting a finger. There came a time when they had to take off their flip-flops and their t-shirts and they needed to put on their whites, their military uniforms, and they needed to go with and in and by the power of God to take the land. Little by little, they had to apply themselves. And I want to say to you, this is in essence the the moral of, of the second story is that although this gospel we receive, this message of salvation, gives us wonderful, wonderful blessings, it also makes demands on us and demands of us. And I think to forget that, to be distracted from that, to ignore that, means to undermine the whole purpose of the gospel. It's not just about you and me. It's not just about us having our needs met. It's not just about us having a good time and being blessed. 
The whole point of the experience of salvation is that we get to be transformed by it so that we can share it with others. And this brings me now to our third and our final story. You may have gathered that the first two stories were fictitious. This third story is a true story. I, I found the story in a, on a website called creativebiblestudy.com and it's called A Voice Above the Waters. And I want to read this for you now. The sinking of the Titanic has become one of the most talked about tragedies of the past hundred plus years. And yet, how many of us have heard the name John Harper? He was a young widower at the age of 39. He set sail on the Titanic along with his six-year-old daughter, Annie, nicknamed Nana, and his sister, Jessie W. Leach. He'd been invited to once again cross the Atlantic to preach at Moody Church in Chicago, Illinois. After answering God's call to preach at age 17, this young Scottish pastor shared God's love wherever he went, including on board the Titanic. On that night of April 14, 1912, as women and children were being herded into, into the 20 lifeboats after the iceberg had pierced the side of the Titanic, John Harper placed his little girl in number 11, making sure that she and his sister were safe. Then he raised his voice above the threatening waters to anyone who would listen as he shared the gospel from Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. In those last hours, as the ship continued sinking, John shared the hope found in Jesus to as many as would listen and prayed with those who would receive. Eventually, he found himself plunged into the frigid waters, but even then he grabbed hold of a piece of floating debris and continued raising his voice above the waters to share Jesus with those perishing. Four years later, when survivors of the Titanic gathered in Canada to share their experiences, one young man stood and shared that he had heard the voice above the waters. He too had been in the icy waters as John Harper floated close enough to him to share the gospel, not once, but twice. He became John Harper's last convert. Not only did Pastor Harper share the life-giving gospel, he also gave his life vest away so another could live. John Harper may have drowned in those icy waters over a hundred years ago, but he did not perish. And because of his voice above the waters, others heard the gospel, and they too were saved. John's little girl and his sister survived and were among those rescued by the Carpathia. A group from Moody Church traveled to New York and made sure that their needs were met and they could return to Scotland. Annie grew up and married a young pastor. She went on to be the longest living Scottish Titanic survivor dying in 1986. Over 100 years have passed and John Harper's first and, the, and John Harper's first church he pastored, now known as Harper Church Glasgow, still proclaims the truth John passionately shared that night. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. As inspiring as John Harper's last hours are, it was his daily life following Jesus 
that led to his strength of faith to face that night. We don't have to be thrown into fridge to stand on the deck of a sinking ship to share the gospel and make a difference in people's lives. Each and every day, God gives us his privilege or this privilege and this opportunity. People all around us are holding on to the scraps of life's debris, looking for hope and salvation. Let's raise our voices above the waters and share Jesus now and every day. In this third story, we see a man who, given the circumstances he would in, could be forgiven for trying to do all he could to save his own life. Uh, the Titanic was a famous movie, and most of us, I'm sure, have seen it. And uh, I'm sure the scenes of that movie live within our imagination. And we can picture those who were cowardly, those men who decided to try and get themselves on lifeboats rather than the women and the children. But here we see, because they cared for themselves, they cared for their own lives, they cared for their own well-being. But here we see the very antithesis of that. Not that this man did not care for himself but that he cared so much for others. And even as he faces his own demise, his thought is for those who are perishing around him. Dear friends, we live in a world where the things and that, the, that people have put their hope in and their faith in are proving to be titanic failures. Banks and economies are crashing. Relationships are strained. Governments are failing. Confusion reigns. But yet you and I carry the good news for the perishing and for the lost. There is hope in Jesus, hope that transcends the stock market, hope that transcends governmental stability. Eugene Peterson's rendition of the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, goes like this. Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge god authorized and commanded me to commission you go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life marking them by baptism in the threefold name father son and holy spirit then instruct them in the practice of all i have commanded you i'll be with you as you do this day after day right up to the end of the age the moral of this third story is that in his own hour of need, John Harper considered the eternal destiny of the souls around him. And we ought to be as gripped by the realities of the eternal destiny of those around us as John Harper was. Why? Well, because we carry within us the great determining factor, Jesus Christ, the seal and, 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 and of his Holy Spirit. Of his blessed salvation this act of laying down our lives for others this act of reaching out and being more concerned with their well-being with our own is the essence and the expression of what true love is like in john 13 verses 34 to 35 jesus says to his disciples a new commandment i give you a new one a brand new one that you love one another as i have loved you that I have loved you. By this will all men know that you have my, are my disciples. How did Jesus love us? He loved us by coming to where we are, not trying to wait for us to come to him, 
He came to where we are to meet us in our need and to lay down his life to come and meet that need. I want us to all understand that this is not some job that is just for those who are employed to do it, those who are full-time clergy. Their job is to equip every one of us to this mission. Every one of us has received the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. And to what end? Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This power in the message of the gospel, this power of the Holy Spirit has been given freely and entrusted wholly to each and every single one of us. Part of the reason is so that we may enjoy the fullness of this life that Jesus has come to give us. But no, that's, that's just the very beginning. Through our experience with him and our liberation and our empowerment, we become equipped to be members of his task force. That we may, as he did, lay down our lives in love and in sacrifice for those around us. Folks, my charge to you today, as I round out what I have to share, is threefold. Number one, I want to encourage you to press into and enjoy the full salvation that Jesus Christ has bestowed upon you and I. Don't settle for areas in your life where you are experiencing defeat, where your life and the picture that, 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 that is around you does not match up to the promises that God has come to you. Don't settle. Don't watch other people walking in a level of fullness and just go, oh, well, that's for them and that's not for me. Jesus died to give it to you. It is paid for in full. Press in. Don't just sit back. Press in. Because the more you have, the more you have to share. The second part of my threefold charge is this. Realize that it is not just for yourself. The salvation that you have. You are the object of God's love, but in his love, he has made you the conduit for his love. He wants to share his love and his gospel message through you. So find somebody to direct it at. It could be somebody who you bump into at work very often. It could be a family member. It could be anyone, but somebody who doesn't know him and begin this, this, this blessed mission of praying for them, of talking to God about them, of going out of your way to bless them, to meet their needs, to share love and to show practical kindness to them. And number three, as and when the time is right, realize that you can be a voice above the waters of the turmoil of this world. You have within you the capacity to lead others by the hand, if necessary, to the wondrous hope that is in Jesus Christ. You know, I want to say to you, I was just reminded of this now. We are gathered here tonight, or where I am, to this morning, wherever you may be. Because somebody had the courage to take Pastor Andreas 
literally by the hand and take him to church in his hour of need. To hear a message that so transformed his life that you and I have become the benefactors of that one person's obedience. How many people have been saved through that one act of obedience? How many people have their lives come into an experience of the gospel because of one man's obedience? There is so much power in this. And I don't believe we will understand the full extent of it this side of grace or this side of heaven. And I have watched and we've all witnessed how in many various different ways this life has been laid down for the, for the, for the furthering and the establishment of our faith. What a joy. What a challenge. You know, Jesus doesn't call all of us to go to a physical cross. But once his love has gripped our hearts and we have experienced and tasted of this wonderful love and we have become so filled with it, we cannot help but having it overflow from us and through us to those around us because we begin to catch the heart of God for them. And it's not about force. It's not about Bible bashing. It's not about being critical and telling people what they've done wrong. It is about laying down our lives for them simply because they are the object of God's love as you and I are. And so, blessed ones, I want to pray that all three of these stories will resonate in your heart tonight. Press in for the fullness of what God has given you. Realize that that fullness places demands on you and I that we do not have the privilege of just shirking off. And as we embrace those, may we be willing to lay down our lives to meet the needs and to bring others into this glorious kingdom and to share this powerful gospel with them. My Heavenly Father, I pray that each one who has listened to this message will be gripped, Lord God, by the realization that there is so much more to this life and to our wonderful salvation that we are experiencing now both in our own lives and, and also, Father, through our lives into those around us. You have called us to a wonderful mission, a blessed mission. You have filled us and equipped us with everything we need for victory. All you ask us to do is to go. And tonight in your presence, or this morning, wherever it is that we may be, Father, you are looking for a heart's response from us. And Lord, in this moment, we respond. We say, Lord, here we are. Send us. Here we are. Here I am. And if this is your cry, say it out to the Lord this, this moment. Say, here I am, Lord. I am yours. Fill me and send me. May I be a vessel used for your glory and for the furtherance of your kingdom. You have blessed me with such wonderful salvation. I realize this is not just for me. May I see those around me through your eyes and be willing to be the conduit of your grace, of your love, and of the power of the gospel of salvation to them. May I share freely and willingly from the abundance that you have poured into my life. So Lord, give us boldness. Give us the awareness to see the opportunities that exist around us. 
Allow us to catch your heart and to look at those around us with love and deep affection as you look upon us each and every day. And may that love from deep within well up, Lord God, and drive us on, inspire and motivate us, Lord God, to find ways to reach out and to share the wonderful news of your salvation, Jesus. We commit this message to you tonight. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to continue to minister to our hearts, to make it life and light to us, that we may walk in it. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.